And uh, let's listen as uh, we begin this morning's sermon with Deuteronomy chapter 33. I'm going to read part of verse 25. Understand this is a, this is a chapter where Moses is blessing the 12 tribes of Israel. He speaks blessings upon the 12 tribes of Israel. He speaks of their future and uh, how it will play out with them. And uh, he gets to the uh, tribe of Asher. And he says this in the 25th verse. As your days, so shall your strength be. If you'll notice the title that we have, and by the way, if you don't have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand and Brother Stephen, make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline because we want you to listen, study, read. We remember a whole lot more of what we read than what we hear. And we're talking about seasonal strength. All of us go through different seasons in our lives. We have the spring. Maybe you're going through that. That's a lot of flowers and it smells good. The birds are singing and maybe your life right now is going through that spring season. Or it might be summer. It may be hot. You may be in school. You may be uh, in college. You may be in uh, grammar school, wherever you are. Or you may just started a new vocation or a job. Or you may be just gotten married or going to get married and maybe you're in the summer of life and then there we have those that's in the fall of life. And uh, I love the fall. It's beautiful. We go to the mountains and we see the changing of the leaves and how beautiful it is. And then, of course, we have the dead winter time when there's ice and snow and cold and all of those things. I don't know what season you're in today. I don't know where you are with your walk with God today. But I know this, I do know that God gives strength for every occasion and for every season. Let's look, if you will, at the outline. Even the strongest among us become weary. We must be willing to admit it, certainly not dwell on it, but we can do and we must do something about it. Understand the Lord is the strength of our lives, Psalms. The psalmist says in chapter 27 and verse 1. But here in Deuteronomy, the meaning is obvious. Whatever your trials, whatever your difficulties may be, God will always give you grace to support you, and he certainly will bring you through them. Some of you have faced physical uh, hardships and trials. But as you look back, you can see that God brings us through them. He is a healer. Some of us have faced all kind of challenges in our lives. And as we meet those challenges, we pray and we believe God and we step forward in faith, understanding that certainly that God will be with us. No conjuncture shall arise in which the strength of heaven shall, make, shall rather not make us victorious. We go through things. We face things. But we do not have to face them alone. And we certainly have God with us and to strengthen us. I go from there to the book of Haggai. I love this little book. It's two chapters in the Old Testament. You know what's amazing to me? Is that no matter whether you read Genesis, whether you read the major prophets or the minor prophets, or no matter whether you read the Gospels, the book of Acts or Paul's 13 epistles, or wherever you are, 
God has taken that word and speaking it to us today. It is contemporary for us today. So the message in Haggai is so prevalent and so real for us today. And I believe it speaks to the church. And I want to read some, if you will, allow me to do that. I want to read, it's two chapters. I won't read, I really, 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 really want to read both chapters, but I'm not going to do that. But I will read uh, quite a few verses in these chapters. And we'll start off with Haggai chapter 1 and beginning with verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses? And this temple to lie in ruins. Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. Did you know in these two short chapters. Five times. God instructed Haggai to prophesy. To the 42,000 or 50,000 that came back from Babylon's captivity. He prophesied to them. Consider your ways. And rather than reading the blocks on the wall, rather than look at the lights in the building, rather than thinking about what we're going to do after the service, we need to sit down and consider our ways. Think about it. Because we're dealing with something that's eternal. This is something very important. And Haggai said to Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest and to the nation or the people that had come back, he said, consider your Ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, watch this, and he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may have pleasure in it and be glorified. As most of us know that have studied the word of God, the temple represented the very presence of God. And God wanted a building that he could say was his home. Now you and I are his temple. You and I, he lives in us. And he dwells in us today. But then in the Old Testament, there was a, 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 a actual building that God would dwell in and dwell with his people. And he says, you look for and bring, uh, much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. You ever feel like that way? You ever feel like, hey, I earn money and it just takes wings and fly away? I look at my checking account, I look at my savings account, and I say, wow, I thought, more, I thought I had more in there. It just seems like it was just blown away. And then we have to use our credit cards and we have to do other things and go in debt. I wonder what's happening. Does life for you pay dividends? It's important that we look at that. Why says the Lord of hosts? Because my house that is in ruins... While every one of you runs to his own house. This is what was happening. There were about 40 to 50,000 of the Jewish people that had been in Babylon captivity for 70 years that came back under the direction of Ezra and uh, Nehemiah and, and Zerubbabel, 
the governor and Joshua, the high priest. They had come back to the land that God said, I will give to you. They had come back to the land and they're encouraged by Ezra, encouraged by Nehemiah to build the temple. Well, they started it. They cleared the land and the rubbish and they started this temple, laid the foundation and then they left it. And it sat there year after year after year, 14, 15, 16, 17 years, this foundation was exposed and the temple was not built while they were building their own houses. And God said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We need to get our priorities right. Amen. And I think the church... I think we as God's people need to understand that God wants our priorities as they should be. Now, God wants us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. He wants us to enjoy ourselves. But he's number one. If he's not, he should be. Seek you first your job. Seek you first your house. Seek you first your education, seek ye first your husband or wife or pleasure. Is that what it says? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, then hi, you can live in your panel houses. You can enjoy the things that God has blessed you with. But this is where they were. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and mountains and on uh, the grain and the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, God goes on to say through uh, Haggai, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, And the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. I'm jealous of Haggai. I mean, he said it and then they did it. I'd like to think this morning that this congregation and this church, when God says it, we just flat out do it. Wouldn't that be great? But this is one prophet that spent four months preaching four messages and telling them what to do. And lo and behold, bang, Zerubbabel, the the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and all the people, they said, okay, we're going to do it. I mean, I'm amazed. I understand that God wants us to be blessed. And if we find ourselves that we've got pockets with holes in them and purses with holes in them because the money just takes its wings and flies away. And what we do, we seem like we're not satisfied with it. We drink, but we're not, we're not satisfied. We eat, but we're not satisfied. And this is the world today. And the world is trying to do more and more and go after everything they possibly can that they can be happy And it seems like the more they do, the less they're happy. But God says, you seek me first and a little will make you happy. A little you will be blessed. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read, if you allow me to, to go from the first chapter to the second chapter book of Haggai. And I'm just going to read five verses there, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 2. In the seventh month of the 21st 
21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheathiel, governor of Judah, and, the, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Speak to the leaders. I'm going to speak to the White House. I'm going to go across Pennsylvania Avenue and I'm going to speak to Congress. I'm going to go to the, uh, the, the mansion in, in Rollin. I'm going to speak to the governor. Uh, you know, God's speaking to the leaders and then God says, I want to speak to the people. He's speaking to everyone today and he's saying to them what is important. Who is left among you, verse 3, who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? How do you see serving God now? When you first served God, you saw it one way. Do you see it another way now? Has it, has it lost its luster? Has it, has it lost its passion? God said, you saw the temple that Solomon built, how great it was, and it cost millions and millions of dollars. For today, it would cost to build that temple. It's torn down. It's in rubble. Now you're going to build another temple. It's not going to shine like Solomon's temple. It's not going to be as plush as Solomon's temple, but I want to see how you see it. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter how God has, where God has put us, God wants us to see this as the greatest thing in the world. He wants us to see glory in it. And this is what he's saying. And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong. We're going back to that word strength. That word strength is addressed, I think, 302 times in the, in, in the Old and New Testament. God wants the church to be strong. Amen? God desires that the church be strong. Zerubbabel said to the Lord, And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. And be strong, all the people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Do not fear. Pastor David Jeremiah has a personal word. Listen. Our world is a mess. Morality seems to have hit bottom. Christians are experiencing overt oppression and persecution. Civility in politics has disappeared. Corruption in government is rampant. Race relations are deteriorating. Civic disorder is accelerating. And the national debt is beyond control. I believe we could get an amen right in there somewhere. Amen? Is he hitting it? Is this where our, our nation is at today? He goes on to say, we no longer feel safe in our world. Our national borders are being overrun. We have turned our back on our greatest ally. Our other allies no longer trust us. Our enemies no longer fear us. And the world is... No longer, and the world no longer respects us. Our national leaders seem impotent in the face of reconstructed and ambitious Russia. Are we listening? Nuclear proliferation is rogue 
in rogue states rather, and the rise of radical militant terrorism. Instability now plagues our world both nationally and internationally, creating a global wave of anxiety and insecurity. Is there any hope? Ask ourselves. Read the Bible. What does the Bible say about it? He says, I am happy to report that the answer is a resounding, is there any hope? Yes. I have plunged into the pages of God's word for prophetic clues to our future. And I am excited by what I find there. Let me share with you the hope-filled, faith-building, deeply reassuring truths of the scripture about deeply, uh, uh, about God's ongoing work in today's chaotic world. We need strength. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to wonder what's going to happen. I'm not too sure after the election what's going to happen to America. (laughs) We don't have an Abraham Lincoln running. (laughs) And there's others we don't have running. And we don't know what's going to happen to our nation. But I'm here to tell you, no matter the season that America is in, God says, I am with you. It is important for us to be strong. It's time for the church to stand up in this day and hour in these conditions and say, listen, I stand for God. I'm not afraid. I will not back down. I will have passion and love and consideration. And I will reach out to those that God has put me here to bless. God's put us here to build build a building. I'm not talking about a physical building. He put them there. He said, I want you to get out of your complacency. You know, the two things that 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 was happening to them and caused them not to build was idleness and worldliness. Now, we don't have any of that today, do we? Wow. I'd say that's the condition of the day. Let me tell you four reasons why they stopped building the building or did not build the building. Here we go. Number one, it won't time. People aren't in church today. They don't have time. I got too much to do. We got too many places to go. I got to get my sleep. I got to go here. I've got to go there. We don't have time for God and his program and his ministry. It's important that we realize that. They said, first of all, don't have enough time. Second of all, not, not spectacular enough. I mean, for us today, it's got to be lights and Disney World every day of our lives. We got to have the spectacular. If I can't go to church... And you bless me and you sing the songs that I want you to sing. If I can't go to church and you tickle me and bless me and make me feel good, I'm not going to go. It's not spectacular enough. That's why they were saying about this temple. Oh, it's not going to be like Solomon's temple. It's not going to have the gold and all the fine things that Solomon had. We don't have it. Look at this rubbish. Look what we've got to deal with. And we can sit around and we can let the world go by and not do anything for God because we're saying, well, if it was, if, you know, if we had Billy Graham to come by and preach for us, if we, if we had whoever, whatever, we had, God help us. God can take little things and make big things out of them. And he's going to do that. Not only, not only was not enough time, not only was it not spectacular enough, but what are, 
we're going to get out of it. It, I wonder if you would take church members today and tell them, now I want you to go to church today and you're not going to get one thing out of it. How many would go? How many would say, well, I want to get something out of it. And that's great. And we should. We should. Every one of us should get something out of it. But we shouldn't go to get something. We should go to what? Give something. That's what God wants us to do. What am I going to get out of it? If we have a relationship, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, if we have a marriage relationship. In fact, that's what's wrong with our marriages today. Each one is saying, what am I going to get out of it? Ask yourself, what can I give to my husband? What can I give to my... I want to invest in someone else's life. Pretty good preaching, Brother Don. It's important. That's what they were saying. What am I going to... And the fourth one, they were afraid of the surrounding nations. I mean, they were, they were coming against them. When these 50,000 or ever how many went back and they started to build this temple, there was all the opposition from the outside. The Samaritans... The enemy came at them from every way. Would you say today that the enemy is coming at the church in every ways I've never seen? I've never seen anything like it. Are we going to give in to that because we're afraid? Are we going to keep silent in the public arena because we're afraid somebody is going to say something about it? I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm not talking about saying things in various God and the church and whatever. I'm talking about being ready at any time to speak up for the name of Jesus Christ. I'm amazed at sports folks that talk about their faith. And I thank God for that. I think that's great. I thank God for it. But we can talk about our faith and we can get by with that. You mention the name of Jesus and they'll hang you out in effigy if you, you know, do something to you. But you can't get away from the fact it's Jesus or nothing. Amen. Amen. You can have faith in something and if that is not stable and secure, you go down. But you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will be secure. Wow. Now let's get to the heart of the message. Here we are. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Here we are in the book of Haggai, and all of this is going on with these uh, 600,000 uh, return captives, and they're going to build this temple. And God is saying to them, "Be strong, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you." And boy, when they dedicated this temple, wow! What happened, and the way God blessed them—they had returned back. To their homeland. And God is saying to the church today, He wants you to be strong. You say, Pastor, I must admit I've been weak at times when it comes to temptations, whether it's habits that's trying to grasp a hold of me or whether it, whatever it might be that the enemy is trying to destroy me with. I, I've been weak. And I want to be strong. Would you like to be strong in this world today? In the time which we live? I would. Let me name four ways that you and I can certainly be strong. First of all, let me back up and go four messages in Haggai. A word of reproof, a word of comfort, blessing, and promise. 
Now, I don't have time to go all through all that. I want you to read this. Take this outline. Sit down with your family this week or sit down with a neighbor or sit down with someone. If you get, if you get a break at work, take it and go through it. Read these scriptures. Take your iPad or whatever you've got that you read the Bible with. Read these scriptures. They will bless you. Then he gives a word of comfort. As I said, 232 occurrences of the word strength here. Number one, strength. Through prayer. You want to be strong? Take time to pray. Take time to talk to God. Commune with God. Not only you communicate with him, but he communicate back with you. That's, that's a conversation. Not mano mano, but let it be a, a time when God talks back to us. But you want to be strong? You pray, and whatever things Matthew says, you ask in prayer, excuse me, believing, you will receive. But you got to pray. It's important that we pray. Isaiah chapter 40, but those who wait upon the Lord, we sung this this morning, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk. And not faint. We need a church today. It's not going to crumble under every temptation. And under every trial. We need a church today. That's going to be strong. And powerful. Certainly before the Lord. And then I love Jude 20. This is one chapter. In this 20th verse. Listen to what it says. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But you the believer. You the church beloved. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying. In the spirit. Now, if you don't pray in the spirit, it's good to pray. You know, we bow our heads and we say grace. And I think that's great. We say our night prayers and I think that's good. But I think there are, ought to be times when the church spends some time in prayer. Jack Hayford says, praying in one's own language, praying in a tongue unknown to the one doing the prayer. So we need to pray in our own language so we understand what we're praying for and it makes some sense. And then we need to pray in the Holy Spirit and you just might pray in a language you don't understand. And how many of you know that's okay? There's strength in that. And God says, church, you want to be strong, pray in the Spirit. Number two, you want to be strong through the promises of God. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, God says, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise of God. And when the doctors told you you have an incurable disease, you can stand on that promise. When someone has has been disloyal to you, And you have a hard time forgiving them. You've been abused by them. When something happens in a relationship and you're struggling and you're struggling. When you don't have money to buy what you need and it seems like and you you can't make it. This is a promise of God. I want to read it again. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I what? will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
So we are strengthened through the promises of God. We should seek out the promise in God's word that fit our needs. Remember them, recall them often and claim them as your own. When I found out I had cancer, I took every Bible I had, and I got a bunch of Bibles, starting back with the old Nelson Chain reference. I took every Bible I had, and every verse that I could, I didn't certainly underline them all because there's many of them. I underlined the verses that said, I'm a healer, I'm a healer, I'm a healer, I'm a healer. I will heal you. I took the stripes on my back for your healing. You say, Brother Don, does it work? I don't have cancer. I mean, you can say whatever. (laughs) I think it works pretty good myself. You see, we need to claim the promises of God. When you've obeyed God in your tithing and in your stewardship and the devil comes against you financially, you get those words, you get those promises out and put them them on your your, your refrigerator. Put them somewhere. Put them in where you're getting ready in the bathroom. Put them there and read them and quote them and read them and quote them and stand on that and believe that. And just as sure as there's a God in heaven, he will provide for your need. So we are strengthened through prayer. We're strengthened through the promises of God. Notice what I said about the promises. The promises of God are to silence the fears and encourage the faith. And number three, we're strengthened through performances. One of the most quoted verses is Paul writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do almost all things through Christ who strengthens me. Huh? Did I miss it? Oh, you, you're reading with me. I better read it right. I can do all things. And when God says all, he means all. Through Christ. Who strengthens me. But you got to do something. I love James. I don't have it written down and I missed it. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 25. It's a great verse. God says you will be blessed in your doing. reason so many people aren't blessed, if you're not careful, they're not doing anything. you got to do something for God to bless you. Now, that's not receiving because of our works. That's not what I'd say at all. So God wants to bless us, and he wants us to receive strength through prayer. He wants us to receive strength, strength through promises and performance. And then look at number four. We are strengthened through what? Praise in God. Praising him. You say, Brother Don, you believe praising God gives you strength? Psalms 8 and 2 says, out of the mouth of babes and nurses and infants, you have ordained strength. And then he goes on to follow up on that in Matthew. He says, out of the mouth of babes and nurses and Infants, you have perfected praise. He connects strength with praise. And so when you feel bad, when you don't feel like praising God, when it seems like you're weak and the devil comes against you, like he did Paul and he attacked Paul in so many ways. In fact, Paul and Silas was put in prison, beaten and put in prison. And here they are at midnight singing praises unto God. And before Elvis, they had a jailhouse rock. God wants us to praise him. 
and we receive through praise. Psalm 71, verse 14, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. I want you to notice this. I love this. As I read this, I got to looking at it. He says, I'm going to praise you what? More and more. Not less and less, but more and more. And then notice what he follows this up with in verse 16. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. So as we praise more and more, we get stronger and stronger. More and more, stronger and stronger. Praising God. It happens. It works. Hallelujah. I hope, I hope you, 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 you'll be able to grasp this because I think it's, it's very important. Uh, then uh, after saying he would praise the Lord more and more, the psalmist says, I will go in the strength of Praise encourages a positive attitude. Praise lifts our sagging spirits. If you get time this week, turn to Psalms 100. It's what, five or six verses? I think maybe five or six verses. Great psalm. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say unto the Lord, this is the day you... Listen, God encourages us to praise him because in praising God, we receive strength. See, receive strength through prayer, promises, performance, and through praise. Strength for today, seasonal strength. I don't know where you are. You may be in a winter time. It may be mighty cold. It may be mighty hard. You may have cried a lot of tears. You may have hurt. You may have lost. And you wonder, hey, when am I going to come out of this season? God's going to bring you out. Strength for the, Our strength shall always be proportioned to our need. God will not allow you to be tempted in, in excess of your ability to endure, overcome. I love these verses, and I, I know my time is fastly moving on. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That's God. God is saying, I'm not going to let you be tempted. I'm not going to let you go through more than you're going to be able to stand. But with the temptation, we'll also make the way. I like that. The way. Have you found the way of escape? Exit. Exit. You know, we've got exit signs here. Exit sign here. Exit sign here. Exit sign there. Exit sign there. If you go out these two exits doors, you're going to be on the outside. If you go out those two exit doors, you ain't going to be on the outside. You're going to go into the foyer. And you, you won't escape out of this building except you go out that door and that door. Now, you can go out that door and then go out the other doors and you can be out. But God says with every temptation, I'm going to give you an exit sign. He's not going to have you go in one place and another place, maybe at times, but he's going to let you go outside. He's going to make a way of escape. And then in 2 Corinthians, after Paul was con- concerned about the, uh, certainly his trials and what he was going through, uh, 
he says in verse 9, my, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest in me. God gives grace for where you are right now. If you're thinking in your mind, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't worry about tomorrow. A lot of energy is lost concerned and worrying about tomorrow. And certainly don't worry about the past. There's nothing you can do about it. It's the present. Notice what I said, the last verse. God gives us this day our daily. He gives daily bread for daily hunger. Today, we need to set ourselves at the task. God's called us to build. Whatever he's asked us to do, let's do it. Father, we love you today. Thank you for speaking this message to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, because you encourage us. Because you say to us today, every individual, not just the preacher, not just the deacon, not just the elder, not just the worship leader, but, he, but you encourage us by saying you will give us strength for today. And Lord, I pray for every mom, every dad, every young person. I pray for each and every one, perhaps that's facing uh, obstacles today, walls today, facing uncertainty today, facing something, Lord, like they've never faced before. Whatever our, our lot, help us to understand that you are there with us. You are there to help us and to give us victory. And we thank you for your grace. God's grace is sufficient.